Welcome to the West Matters podcast. My name is Diane Capelli. In this episode, we speak to Shannon Milak, advocate and lead campaigner for the group No Third Teller Runway. Shannon, welcome to the West Matters podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, I might start with um, just the topic in general. Melbourne's third one runway. Can you summarise for the listeners what is being proposed and what suburbs will be impacted? Yeah, sure. So currently what is being proposed is a new third runway for Melbourne Airport based in Telemarine. It is a north-south direction uh, runway. So what that means is in order to actually implement another secondary north-south runway, they're going to need to shorten the east-west runway that we currently have in operation now. Because they're going to shorten that runway, it effectively means that we'll become a 2.5 runway system, if you will, where the only runways that will really be in use will be the north-south ones. Right now, we have a combination of north-south and east-west runway usage, which directs uh, aviation traffic sort of all over. When we actually move to the third runway, three runway system, where they're predominantly in a north-south direction, it'll put 95% of aircraft on those north-south runways because the east-west runway will no longer be fit for, for, for purpose. So that means that essentially right. almost all aircraft are now going to go over our homes and our schools uh, as opposed to being out over farmland and uh, regional areas. So not only are we going to see essentially an, an increase in that aviation coming over our homes, Melbourne Airport also is building this third runway in order to increase aviation traffic to the airport by up to 43%, I believe it is. So it's a double on double. <laughs> um, and I think the really important thing to note here is it's not suburbs that are going to be impacted. It's entire LGAs. So the airport environment okay. strategy plan that was produced by Melbourne Airport identifies Darabin, Hobsons Bay, Hume, Macedon Ranges, Maribyrnong, Melton, Mooney Valley, Marybeck, Whittlesea, and of course, Brimbank. And we also believe that parts of Wyndham are also going to be impacted. Wow. That's huge. Uh, it's massive. I don't think many people know that. That's, that's, that's pretty much all of Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and beyond. I mean, when we're talking about areas like Macedon Ranges, it's we're going into rural areas. People... We yeah. quite often hear this thing of, oh, well, if you don't like the airport, don't live near it. And it's like, well, hang on, where do the people in Macedon Rangers move to to get away from it? You know, like yeah. um, it's, yeah. it's, it is expansive. And the thing that's really quite scary here is that Brimbank City Council is so far the only council actively engaging with their residents and advocating for the campaign. I mean, there's still more that they can be doing as well. Um, like, mm -hmm. for example, the mayor of both Hobsons Bay and Mooney Valley have both advised that a Brimbank City Council reached out to them and specifically asked them to work with them on addressing resident concerns. They would actually officially need to consider joining the campaign. And to the best of my knowledge, this right. has still not okay. yet happened. Um, they haven't reached out to the mayors of those councils to actually get them on board and advocate together um, as a collective um so oh, okay. yeah it, it's the responses that we've sort of had because we have met with a few of the mayors and had conversations with them is that they believe that they're not really going to be impacted and it's like um have you read the documents 
because it's mm. quite clearly stated that you are going to be. Um, the other things that we heard from them were things like, oh, but our residents haven't raised it as a concern. And I'm like, well, hang on, would you raise a concern if you didn't know it existed? Because that's essentially what you're yeah. asking your mm. residents to do. I'm like, you know, the people of Brimbank know it's coming because Brimbank Council has actually informed them. But have you actually done this? Because if you haven't, then of course no one's raising concerns. So we actually mm. encouraged them to reach out to Brimbank City Council and try and get engaged in this and ensure that residents across all these municipalities were informed. But they kind of wanted to pass the buck and saying, well, if Brimbank reaches out to us, then we'll have to actually do it, you know, but we're not going to take the first step. Um, mm. I think the other thing that us as a campaign uh, is really quite concerned about is Brimbank has been really good in making sure that people do know that something is coming, um, you know, and that there are impacts that people are likely to experience. But their campaign solely addresses noise harm and is advocating for things like noise abatement. Uh, Brimbank City Council also commissioned an independent health assessment, which is absolutely amazing and really, really important. But it fails to address the campaign's four areas of concern, which is health, environment, climate and economic impacts. So what we really need is a, a, an independent assessment that takes in all four parameters, not just health or noise harm. So Brimbank probably needs to lift the game just a little bit now um, in order to actually ensure that we have all of our concerns met, not just the concerns pertaining to noise. Okay. And so when, when we talk about those, those four um, areas of concern, um, like who are the main stakeholders that I guess want this third runway to go ahead and what, what's the Victorian government's view on the matter? And are any of those stakeholders um, involved in doing any studies? Yeah, so look, it seems like the only people that are really wanting this project to go ahead is Melbourne Airport and people who work for the airport. Um, Melbourne Airport are obviously interested in profits. Um, there's not really a mm. need for an additional runway. And we actually question the accuracy of their data supporting the need for a third runway. Um, firstly, overseas studies have suggested that flights into Australia will inevitably reduce when carbon taxes make it unviable for international airlines to fly long distance particularly to australia which is mm. you know so far away um yeah, yeah you know so it's also worth remembering that you know this is more of a restructure of current runways than actually installing an additional runway like i said earlier uh you know with 95 yeah. percent of aircraft essentially using the north south runways and the current east west runway you know basically becoming redundant <laughs> because it, it won't actually be mm. out of function in the way it is now it more or less means that we're going to move to another two runway system, only we're going to direct more traffic over people's homes and schools. So you kind of question, well, hang on, does that actually support increased traffic then? Um, yeah. You know, right. airport workers, they're, you know, I understand their concerns, uh, they, but they seem to be under the impression that what we want to do is close down the airport, which, you know, that that of course means that they're scared of losing their jobs, but that's not what we're asking for here. We've got no intent of closing down Melbourne airport. You know, of course it's going to still exist. Yeah. Um, so the sentiment is really unwarranted. Uh, you know, we're not calling for the runway to be closed. We're actually just calling to prohibit further expansions, including a third runway or any infrastructure that's going to essentially force more aviation over our homes 
or increase aviation mm-hmm. in a climate crisis. Um, mm. You know, something else that's probably worth noting is that Geelong and the Great Ocean Road are calling for greater use of Avalon Airport. Um, they want to support greater tourism for the area, particularly with the development of the Geelong Convention Centre. So Tracy yep. Carter, who's the Executive Director of Tourism for Greater Geelong in the Ballerine, said what we would like to more than anything is for Avalon to get back to international flights. So they obviously want to see an increase in tourism there and, you know, yeah. not have to send all the residents that are living out that way or visiting that way, having to go all the way to Melbourne Airport and then having to, you know, go across to the other side to get to where they're wanting to go. It's not really a direct route. So yeah. I understand why they're calling for that. Um, our government, yeah, yeah, makes sense. yeah, and look, I mean, our government seems kind of uninterested in our concerns, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. We've met with several state and federal MPs. The Labor government, you know, they'll give us the courtesy of listening to us, at least some of them have anyway, but then they're not really doing anything to actually actively address our concerns. They don't really have a response for us at the time. They never really get back to us uh, with a response. Uh, the Victorian Greens MPs have been really supportive, so they're offering assistance to our campaign They've officially come out and opposed the third runway. Um, Tim Reid, who's the member for Brunswick, has raised questions in state parliament. Uh, David Edishank from Legalised Cannabis, he uh, represents Western Metropolitan Region of Victoria. He's also been incredibly supportive and raised questions in parliament on our behalf too. I personally... And he attended your uh, Maribyrnong oh, yeah. uh, community forum. Yeah, and, he, and the one in Keelor yeah, as well. Right. He's attended both of them. Oh, excellent. Yeah, so... He's been a huge support for us um, and is really helping to represent our interests. I personally had an opportunity to speak to Trung Lu uh, back when I was at the Better Buses for the West Rally. And the comment I actually received then is, oh, it's going to go ahead anyway, so I'm not really concerned with it. Now, this is an MP who was previously a Brimbank councillor. Um, you- Correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so... That's a little concerning that, um, you know, we've got this Liberal MP who has sort of come up through Brimbank City Council as a councillor who understands that the community is quite concerned about this project and is just so dismissive of the campaign and not really wanting to do anything. You know, I actually asked whether he'd be willing to meet with us. He just sort of brushed us off. So that's really, really disappointing when we see things like that happen. Um, But, you know, it's not going to make us go away. It just makes us, you know, fired up and want to keep fighting even harder. Yeah, and and so you should. I think, um, you know, it's really important that the message is is understood and, and, and the impacts um, as well. So, you know, definitely it's worth fighting for. And and so what, what are the, the health concerns from the proposed third runway? I know you speak of the, the four um, items of concern, yeah. but... You know, for an average, you know, listener who doesn't know much about the topic, um, what what are some of the health concerns of, of having this third runway? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's sort of twofold. So, first of all, you do have noise harm, which is something that Brimbank City Council has been really good at educating people on. So, noise isn't just about, you know, being annoying um, or disruptive or anything like that. You know, something we hear a lot mm. is, oh, I love the sound of the planes and that sort of thing, or, oh, I don't hear it, it doesn't wake me up. As Dr. Michael Housen, yeah. who's been on your show before, has, has said, 
your body reacts regardless whether you think it's annoying or not. Um, so noise harm mm. uh, is something that actually causes a lot of health issues. And I'll go into that in a second. The other thing that actually causes a lot of health issues is the UFPs, the ultrafine particles uh, that are actually coming from aviation itself that's flying over our homes and schools. So combined mm. UFPs and noise harm, I'll go through a, a little bit of a list of health concerns that you know you can expect with the combination yeah. of these two factors. We have things like cognitive developmental delays in children, um, you know, for up to around seven months behind, they can fall behind. Hypertension, anxiety and depression, dementia, uh, asthma and respiratory disease, heart attacks, stroke, cancer, uh, allergies, sleep deprivation, higher premature birth rates and underweight birth rates, higher hospitalisation, lower life expectancy and higher rates of death from all causes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is extensive. And that, I mean, quite honestly, that should scare the living daylights out of you, you know? Who wants yeah, that? I mean, yeah, yeah. people get concerned about hearing about the health in, you know, effects of sugar and things like that, yet we've got something like this that causes so many health issues. And people and, and you can't control. No. Like, I mean, you can control not having sugar, but you can't control an aeroplane going over your house. 100%. 100%. This is why we have to stop it and not worry about what we can do after it's put in. You know, there's no use yeah, going, oh, yeah. it's in now. Now we've got to try and mitigate this. We have to stop it. Yeah. I mean, once it's done, you, you can't go back. No, because they're not that's going not to. Happen. When profits are involved, that's right. then people are always going to suffer. So the reality is we yeah. live in a society where Profits are put before people all the time. And this is a fine example of that. So, you know, something we need to look at is the fact that if we don't stop it now, what you're going to get later to try and mitigate it is not going to be nearly enough uh, to be sufficient. So, you know, we've really mm -hmm. got to make sure that this doesn't go ahead because it's just so dangerous and perilous. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what, what other studies have been done to date? Um, like we know that Bringbank did the one on the, um, the noise, but, yeah. um, have, have, has anyone else done any studies? Not to the best of my knowledge, not in Australia or in Victoria or Melbourne anyway, in regards to Melbourne airport specifically. So, uh, okay. I understand that Melbourne airport, they had to actually conduct a health assessment. Um, mm. I know that they've referred to a lot of older documents, um, but the the more concerning thing is the fact that they've not made their health assessment publicly available. So we can't actually see what they found what? in their health really? assessment. No. So they quote it, but they don't actually provide the entire report or the assessment in its entirety. Um, How is that possible? Yeah. I mean, why do one if you're not going to release it? Because they have to. They have to. You know? They have yeah. to do one, but they, they don't have... have to tell anyone. Correct. How do we know they've actually done yeah. one then? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> our point. Um, you know, yeah. we okay. have tried to obtain it. We're not getting very far with that. Um, but they're also relying on very old data. So the last yeah. environmental impact assessment that was conducted by Melbourne Airport or by the Victorian state government at the time, as it was Telemarine Airport, was back in 1989. Um Oh my God. Yeah, 1989. So Amazing. essentially the issue with that is that 
it doesn't actually take into account that many of the species of wildlife that are going to be impacted by the third runway, as identified by Melbourne Airport themselves, weren't even considered endangered species back when that assessment was done. So species like the growling grass frog, the golden sun moth, the swift parrot, which you know was just recently named Australia's bird of the year, none of those were considered endangered back in 1989. So using a report from back oh, then, wow. yeah. And I mean, the swift parrot is relevant now. 100%. It's irrelevant. 100%. Yeah. And I mean, one of the big things that, you know, the reason I bring up the swift parrot as well is when I say it's critically endangered, there's like 300 of them left. So yeah, the issue is that mm. they're only found in Tasmania and Victoria. So basically they winter in Victoria. Um, now, one of the places they live is in the Grey Box Woodland, which is protected by the EPBC Act. Now, the issue we have with that is that Melbourne Airport is going to clear fell their Grey Box Woodland. <laughs> in order to build their third runway. So the habitat that these critically endangered birds need is going to be destroyed. And it's actually been documented that the leading cause of the endangerment of the swift parrot is its loss of habitat. Now, okay, fine. Melbourne Airport says that it will offset anything that it's going to. You can't offset the destruction of a species. You know, you can't go and plant a whole bunch of seedlings, you know, for grey box elsewhere because they take years to grow. You think those 300 birds are going to survive and wait for those trees to develop? Like, it's just insanity. Like, we keep talking about preserving species for future generations and, you know, how important our biodiversity is and that we've got such unique wildlife and, you know, flora and fauna in Australia is admired the world over, and yet we're willing to actually destroy it just to put in another runway for an airport. And yeah, it's it's just monumental. You know, they're, they're actually going to divert Arundel Creek underground in order to actually uh, remove water sources from the wildlife because that's part of their uh, engine strike mitigation strategy. They actually have to divert food and water sources away from the airport in order to avoid engine strike, meaning that they're going to divert Arundel Creek underground. That's madness. (laughs) Um, madness. It it just seems completely illogical to me, you know, that they think that that's okay to do. you know, and yeah, that's right. And we're also dealing with an area that's already been contaminated with PFAS. You know, so we know that they're going to dig up contaminated soil that they've identified. Um, now, I know I've read somewhere, and I can't remember exactly where I read it. I must admit, um, there's a lot of documents out there. So trying to pinpoint where yeah. some of this information has come from, but I know they've actually spoken about the fact that some of the soil that they're moving they you know will redistribute but some will have to be moved off site and i'm like so hang on you're going to take pfas contaminated soil and move it um which is just going to contaminate more areas <laughs> you know yeah and yeah. they've already contaminated you know um arundel creek and the maribyrnong river and i'm like they're not responsible leaseholders you gotta remember that they're leasing the land off the federal government they're not responsible leaseholders because yeah. they're destroying the land that they're actually on. So why should? Well, it seems like it's more damage. It sounds like this is just 
more mess yeah. than and actually, you know, achieving anything or adding value. I know. That's what it sounds like. It's mind-blowing. And I think the thing that's concerning, so right now, you know, Catherine King has actually given the uh, proposal for the third runway to Tanya Plibersek, who's the Federal Environmental Minister. I can't mm. see how she could justify any of this. So it'd be really disappointing if she approved this. This is I'm hoping it'll stop where with her. I'm hoping she goes, nah, this is just yeah. ecological destruction, you know. Um yeah. <laughs> it's ecocide. <laughs> um And is that is that sitting with um Tanya Plibersek now? Yes. Or yes, to the best of my knowledge, oh, right. it hasn't moved past her desk yet. There's very little right. info- the information kind of comes out in dribs and drabs. Um to the best of my knowledge, it hasn't moved past her yet and she hasn't given it the final approval yet. We have reached out to other federal ministers okay. to help try and advocate on our behalf or try and uh, assist us in getting a meeting with her to discuss these issues with her. We've reached out, you know, obviously to um, people like uh, Daniel Molino and to Brendan O'Connor. Brendan O'Connor's kind of refused to meet with us at any point. Um, he constantly sends out you know, uh, someone else from his office to speak to us, which, wow. you know, God bless him. Colin's amazing and he listens to everything I've got to say and, you know, what we keep bringing up and he understands how passionate we are about it. But it's quite disappointing that Brendan O'Connor himself won't meet with us. And my understanding is he didn't meet with our councillors when they went to the Olga um, conference over in Canberra earlier this year either. Um, they yeah, ended up having to deal with Colin as well. So he just doesn't want to face up to his constituents and hear their concerns. Ooh. So it's really, that really infuriating. Seems to be a bit of a pattern with Labor, but not, oh, I, not wrong. I won't say anything more than that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just. Looking at facts from the past. No, I understand completely. Time to talk to people, Labor. That's that's how it works. Yeah. I mean, all politicians uh, speak to people. It's just it's a job. It's absurd <laughs> when when you're talking to people and no one's listening. It's it's very frustrating as a resident, yeah, and a member of the community when when you know people that you're supposed to be representing don't listen to you, yeah. and don't want to talk to you. I mean, these are your voters. They gave you that position. That's right. <laughs> Essentially, you work yeah. for them. <laughs> you know yeah. and paying your wage yeah. it's it i think there's just you know there used to be a time when you could speak to these people you know i remember mm. a time back in even say around the early 2000s you know mid to say around 2007 around about that sort of time period and brendan o'connor would mm. still very much meet with constituents now we can't yeah. even get a written response from him directly um yeah. you know and uh, like i said it's just it's infuri- infuriating Catherine king has yeah. refused to meet with us um she's the one that has the ultimate decision to make on this runway um we requested through all the official channels we requested time and time and time again to meet with her whether it was via email mm. via phone via letter it, it, you know we tried so many different ways and we tried for months and eventually we just got we got quite annoyed, so we all turned up to her office in Ballarat and uh, stampeded yep. her office, basically demanding that we meet with her. You know, um, yeah, yeah. we filmed the whole thing. It is available on our Facebook. We did film the interaction right. that we had um, <laughs> and they were kind of shocked. And even after going there, we never 
didn't get a chance to see her. Apparently she wasn't in the office that day. I uh, can't tell you whether that was true or not, but apparently she wasn't in the <laughs> office that day. Um, they used every excuse from, oh, you're not a resident of Ballarat and therefore she doesn't need to speak to you. That was number one. But we even presented our petition of like over 700 signatories and, you know, we've mm. received no acknowledgement of that. There's been no communication since that day that we even went there, that we requested to meet with her, that we left her with the petition. There's been no acknowledgement of any of that happening. That's disappointing. Yeah. Catherine King, we've got an opportunity. <sighs> Write a reply. Reach out. Speak to, the, speak to this group. Speak to Shannon. Give us an answer. The, the, the public need to know. Yeah. It's, it's just... It's just, uh, it's farcical. Well, I mean, you, you want to hear the biggest kick here. This is what we found hilarious is we're reading in the newspaper earlier this year. It was in one of the majors, uh, either the Herald Sun or the Age, one of them um, from memory. And there was an acknowledgement mm. that Catherine King had actually said that, you know, she will take under advisement the concerns of residents from Melbourne's eastern suburbs about their noise concerns. And I'm like, Right, Eastern, yeah. just Eastern. Yeah, I'm like, hang on, they're even further away from Ballarat than we are. <laughs> you know, that, that makes absolutely no sense no. whatsoever. I mean, the north and and west of Melbourne is the areas that are going to be most impacted. We do know that, you know, the, it will start heading out towards the east more. But why are you more concerned about them when they're going to be less impacted about by it than? you know, your residents out in the north and the west of Melbourne who would be the most impacted by it. And mm, yeah, that just blew my mind that that would be a thing. And I think they're kind of, yeah. they're sort of also under the impression that we're only cared, caring about noise because the problem there yeah, is okay. that, you know, we obviously care a lot about climate change and the environment, um, you know, and that sort of thing as well. So it's not just about noise. It's why we've been endorsed by so many organisations. You know, we've even got um, big organisations like Environment Victoria who back us as well. So that's how deeply concerning this project is on an environmental uh, basis that, you know, we've got a lot of climate groups and environmental groups as well. You've got Friends of the Earth, Melbourne, Sustainable Cities. So many of them have come on board to, to endorse this campaign um, based on the environmental destruction and the climate uh, issues that surround this project. So, yeah, it's not, it's most definitely yeah. not just about noise. Yeah, yeah. And that's good support to have, I guess. You know, like you, you've got organisations there that back you up in, in what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but it just needs to be out there, I guess, a bit more. I don't know whether it's, you know, more media or um, spokespersons from these these groups. But, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if any of them were willing to come on and, and chat um, on this podcast, we'd be happy to. You know, th this, this affects people in the West. Um, so for a politician to say that they will take on the feedback of people in the eastern suburbs. Um, I find that just incredible. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> and that's the thing, it, it does, uh, it deeply impacts the west, but it probably equally impacts the north as well. So there's literally half yeah, of Melbourne yeah. that are impacted by this. Um, yeah, that's right. And yeah. we're finding that the north know even less than the residents in the west um, about mm. this. So, you know, we do try and put the message out there. Um, and try and yeah. let these people know that this is happening. But until we start getting, you know, a bit more advocacy on it, 
we can't get the media to really focus on this. You know, the media quite predominantly focuses on the third runway being a positive thing for the community that's going to create jobs and, you know, rah, 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 the, the standard spiel that we all hear all the time on basically any yeah. project that they want to back up. Um, you know, it's yeah. always about, oh, we're going to create jobs. Uh, what they're not talking about is the potential negative impacts um, that it's going to have in regards mm. to, um, like, on the financial side. You know, we can expect to see things like property depreciation, you know, International studies yep. have actually shown, Absolutely. yeah, international studies have actually shown that there can be a decrease in property values by 10 to 20%. So, yeah, you know, sure, you might huge. create a few more jobs, but those people that get those jobs are also going to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars in the value of their property. Um, we, yeah. We yeah. may even potentially see a divestment in the area. I mean, we just don't know, do we? At the end of the day, no. if you've got staff that are, are physically becoming sick, because of the third runway and the increased aviation coming over them, you wonder how many businesses are going to want to invest in the area. You know, you kind of go, well, yeah. my staff are getting sick. Maybe I need to move to somewhere else. Um, I mean, yes, it's speculation, but it's all speculation, including from the side of Melbourne Airport. They're speculating that they're going to have increased aviation and that they need this runway. Um, I've, like I said, we've seen yeah. no proof that they actually do need it. And, you know, the other important thing to remember is so many people were like, oh, well, you've known about this plan for decades. You know, they've spoken about a four runway system and a hashtag system since the 70s, rah, rah, rah. We hear this all the time. Yeah, that may be mm -hmm. true, but there's a lot of things that people haven't realised that that hashtag configuration assumed that you could actually still use your east-west runway, which you won't be able to. Um, it also relied on there being a lot more of a green wedge put between you know where houses are being built and the airport itself well that didn't happen yep. houses have encroached closer and closer yeah. and closer to the airport um which was yep. never meant to happen right. many people who mm -hmm. bought land and built in these areas were not even told that they would be impacted or that it had been previously identified as an impact area i know my parents who purchased their block of land back in the mid 80s were never told about it um mm. you know so that's a perfect example back then it, it they weren't advised that you know that could be something that would potentially impact them further down the line um but yeah, yeah. that whole project if you actually go and read the really really big planning documents from back then also talk about having you know essentially three major airports in melbourne so it's meant to be one out in the east well that's never happened so something like Moorabbin yeah. was identified, something out yep. there with an expansion there. It never happened. They never found a suitable area for them to actually do that. And so it's never happened. They were also meant to extensively mm. expand Avalon um, and a few others. So that's not what's happening here. We're talking about one yeah. airport catering to all traffic, meaning that the same areas are going to experience it all. It, it's not the same plan. So people are like, oh, you've known about yeah. it since the 70s. Uh, no, actually, we didn't because what's being proposed now and what's happening now is not what was meant to happen. So how could we possibly know that they were going to change the plan this much? You can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, no, that's right. And, and look, you know, you, it needs to be constant, up-to-date information. So if you're saying that the 
the last study, you know, um, that the Melbourne Airport released was in 89. Well, um, for the environmental impact. Yeah. The one they have now <laughs> is just not, you know, it apparently exists and, and they don't want to release it, which makes yeah, no sense yeah. when, you know, the, the question's being asked of people. Um, you know, we, we need, people need to know more information, clearly, yeah. because there's there's obviously stuff there that we need to know about. Well, there hasn't really been that community engagement. You know, this is the thing yeah. is at the end of the day, we haven't seen Melbourne Airport, uh, say, put an independent forum on to inform the community. They held their own forums, um, which from what I've heard personally because I wasn't able to attend the event in person at the time, it was, you know, during COVID and, and whatnot. So I didn't personally attend because I'm immune compromised. Okay. But you know, there was a consultation there and there were several members from our campaign group that did attend. And from what I've heard from everybody that attended that was if anyone tried to raise uh, any kind of issue, it was either dismissed or they were kind of told that they'd get back to them and it, that just never happened. So it was it more happened. of a promotional event than a direct consultation. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, that's a, right. that's a bit of an issue. So we need some independent consultation with the community so people can get unscripted answers. They can get responses right there and then they can raise the concerns. Um, you know, yeah. when we've run our forums, we've invited MPs. You never see the, like any of them really turn up. Like I said, we've seen people like Tim Reid show up and uh, David Edishank turn up, which is fantastic. But, you know, you don't have your Daniel Molinos showing up. You don't have your Ben Carrolls showing up, you know, who was a transport minister at the time. Um, mm. You know, so, and yet I, the response we got was, oh, no, we went to, you know, the public forum. Like, no, you went to the Melbourne airport one. You didn't actually go to the community-led one, you know, so you're not really yeah. hearing yeah. from the community. You're hearing from Melbourne airport. Um, you know, yeah, the other thing right. is that there is a Melbourne, this, this is a, a bit of a joke really, but there's a Melbourne airport community aviation consultant, consultation group, but there's never been any outreach from them in regards to oh. community concerns. So I don't know how they're bringing those community concerns there. Um, so how, how, how do you know about them? Like, are they, have they been listed as sort of it's on the website. Or, uh, it's on Melbourne Airport's right, website. Okay. They publish their minutes from their yeah. meetings and all that sort of jazz. And one of our uh, lead campaigners as well in the coalition, uh, you know, they used to be a member on it. He left because <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> um, right. You know, it's not really doing what oh, it should yeah. be doing. And this seems to be something we've heard as an issue across the country not just here with melbourne airport so from what we've heard it's mm. happening as well in like brisbane and sydney and things like that as well you know i think a lot of people have seen on the news has been a lot of issues with um new airports and runways in brisbane and western sydney and they're yeah. basically trying to tell us don't let this go ahead it's going to ruin your life don't let it go ahead they're warning us from yeah. a distance saying don't end up in the same position as us you know because fighting mm. it after the fact is futile it, it's so difficult to do yeah. and you still won't get the result mm -hmm. you need so yeah you know it's another reason why we've really got to push to stop this now um and like i said yeah. noise abatement isn't going to bring back our endangered species it's not going to decontaminate our soil and in rivers it's not going to you know bring our creeks back you know, stop them from being underground and being diverted there. Mm. Won't bring back yep. our trees instantly. So noise abatement's 
you know, it's good, but, you know, it's not really going to help with all those ecological issues. I mean, are you sort of suggesting that we just stay in a little box and never leave our homes, never sit in our gardens, never go play at a park? You know, it's not really going to, we're still going to be exposed to all those chemicals and everything else. And, you know, when they talk about noise abatement, what they're not talking about is the cost of that. So, yeah. Uh, estimates from what I've heard, estimates can be, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars and and beyond for noise abatement in a person's home. That's per house. That's per wow. house. Now, two yeah. issues with this. Yeah. Number one is if they do provide that, chances are it's not going to be Melbourne Airport that'll pay for it. It'll probably be the government, meaning taxpayer dollars are paying for those programs. That's right. So you're actually paying Melbourne Airport to make money. Um, (laughs) Number one. But the other thing is they, because of the cost involved, they limit who they give it to. So they might give it to say Keelor, which is great, but then you might have other areas like, you know, St. Albans or wherever that doesn't get it. Um, yeah. you know, you can't if it's if it's affecting people, um, it's affecting everyone. Yeah. So you can't you can't pick and choose who who you pay out. But that's exactly and, and, what they're doing. You know, paying out doesn't make the issue go away. It still deteriorates your health. Yeah. And then you know, what's the cost of your own health? You can't put a price no. on that. And this is what people don't really think about. It's like, oh well, I'm okay with that. And they say that until they have to start paying the extra medical expenses. You know, you think about it, we're in a cost of living crisis already. People are starting to get an idea of what it means to have to pay $103 to go see a doctor for 15 minutes now. Yeah. You know, I mean, imagine why, why are you paying that? Because, because there's no money. No, (laughs) there's no cash. And that's the thing. It's like, are you going to be happy doing this for a family of four, you know, every week because there's another health issue that's happened because of the increased aviation and the increased chemicals that you're being exposed to and all that sort of thing. You know, you're going to end up paying a lot more for medical care because you've got health conditions that you wouldn't have had, had this not have happened. But then you've also Correct. got to look at things like, okay, well, if childhood cognitive development um, is delayed due to the increased noise, then you've got to look at the fact that, hey, you may have to actually pay for a private tutor to ensure that your child is keeping up with their schoolwork now as well. So yeah. are you okay yeah. with paying this extra money? And this yeah, is what yeah. people aren't really considering. You know, they're like, oh, well, it's just noise. It's all well, they're good. Not, they're not piecing it together. No. They're, they're, not, they're not understanding that this impacts you in in these other ways that yeah. you you haven't pieced it together yeah. that you know you you're you're okay with it now but then you're paying for something down the track yeah. that has been caused by this issue yeah. that you let happen to start with yeah and that's exactly mm-hmm. why yeah. we acknowledge and totally appreciate what Rumang City Council has done uh so far in advocating for this cause but this is why we say they need to do more because people aren't making those yeah. links so if they're out there advocating yep, yep, for this and yep. they are and they're passionate about it, then they need to help people see those links. And that's why we work on yep. those four parameters because right now it's concentrated on noise harm and what it can cause. But there's no linkage of, oh, hang on, but if I get sick with that, it's going to cost me more money with this. And, you know, none of that yeah, is coming into yeah. it. So that's why economic uh, impacts need to be observed as well. You know, it's not just about, yeah. oh, it can cause this. Great. But people aren't putting two and two together going, hmm, that's right. that means my medical costs will go up, you know? So Yeah, yeah. It's, um... And that's what these studies need to, need to come out because people who do want to do the research, they want facts 
um, and 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 doing research on this stuff will will give you that those facts to to back up you know your stance either for or against. Yeah. So if if there are no if if the, the research isn't out there or organisations like um, you know the the, the Melbourne Airport uh, group yeah. don't release it to the public, then what does that tell you? You know, well, what are they hiding or are they giving you the facts that you need to know or are they not answering questions of you know um the, these specific impacts well i think and, and um, where you know branches out to so i think it goes beyond that though quite honestly you know the facts are out there you know the things i'm talking about there is a lot of research that's out there and documents people don't want to sit there and read 400 page documents and i'm not talking about one of them i'm talking about a bunch and if they did they'd know because for example, we actually have like an online library with most of these documents actually published on it. Mm. So people can download these documents. But is that is that in specific, um, is that directly related to the Melbourne airport or just in general? No, no. The, it, like aviation? No, no, no. Like the Melbourne airport documents themselves. So all the documents that I've spoken about, like uh, the environmental impact assessment and stuff from 1989, all, all of those are there. These documents are there. But oh, yeah. People can the download them. Ones, yeah, yeah, yeah. But even the current ones, what's being yeah. put out in um the mdp and things like that which actually talks about what animals are going to be impacted that talks about the fact that arundel creek is going to be diverted all of this it's all it's all there the fact that people don't yep. know about it shows that people don't want to read these huge slabs of text and i don't blame them it's dry and time yeah. consuming what they need okay. is for it to be yep. simplified you know and that's something that hasn't happened okay. from either at a council level, not just with Rimbank, with any council across Melbourne, it has not happened. Yeah. But the other thing is that none of these documents that Melbourne Airport have released have been available in another language. We're in an area where English as a second language is the majority of people. And yet yeah, we're right. not actually transcribing these into other languages. They, for example, like their 400 page document if memory serves me right, I think it's about 400 pages. Um, there was availability of other languages, but it was in a summary that was like two pages long, something along those lines. Yeah. So how much information was taken yeah. out? Now, I can't read those other languages, so I can't even tell you what's in them. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's okay. an issue. So how much information? So you basically chose what you wanted to put in there and, you know, you essentially only chose, what, 1%? half a percent of what you had out there to mm. transcribe into another language. So why is none of this information yeah. really being provided in different languages in an area where it's much needed, you know, and that's something that's really disappointing Correct. is there's not really that availability. And so we need mm -hmm. simplified communication that basically dot points what's going on um, so that people can actually yeah. understand that this is happening. It's, um... And to your point, like I, I get, you know, that you can't, it's it's hard, right? You've got 400 pages. Sometimes for the message to get through, something unfortunately will have to be two pages because anything more than that, they're just going to switch off, yeah. right? So you really need to hone in on what message you're trying to get through yeah. and summarise it. So if it is a, a two-page document, well, better than that, than not reading anything at all. I agree and, with and, you. And but it's got to be in languages that people are able to understand. I agree. Uh, especially in areas like Brinbank and, and probably Hume yeah. um, as well. So, yeah, definitely. And are any, like, um, do, do you put any of the, I guess, summarised 
um, versions on the no third tailor runway group or is that something that maybe the group is looking at doing no it i would mean be good to sort of the reality yeah. is i mean i, look, I understand that it's a volunteer group so it you know, is and like we're kind of at capacity so with what we're dealing with at the moment you yeah, know yeah yeah you Fair know we're, we're quite literally only a handful of people um yeah you know yeah. that are sort of doing the bulk of the work here and yep, yep, no, fair enough. It's fair it's enough. really quite. I mean, we we just don't have the resources to be able to to do that. So yeah. it does make it well, tricky, let, and let me... it should be up to Melbourne Airport and to the state government and federal government to be putting this sort of information out there. Really, at the end of the day, um, and we've got to make yeah. sure that what you know, even if there is, I oh, agree, two page documents. You don't really want to go go beyond that. We want to make sure what's being uh, put into those documents and communicated to people actually addresses all of these issues that we're talking about today. 100%. Because I don't think that that's 100%. what's actually happening because I feel like yeah. if more people knew this was happening, more people would care, you know, and that's yeah. what's so important yeah. is trying to get that message out there um, and getting the yeah. media to cover it, which has been almost impossible. They just don't want to give us the time of day to actually really get into these issues, which is a problem. I mean, I'd love to see... You know, a big segment on like the project or something like that that really delves into these issues and sort of explains to people in a 10 minute segment or a five minute segment what's going to happen you know yeah and that would be great you know so you know the the project current affair yeah. um any of the shows on the abc like it would be great if anyone would just you know um get get involved and you know uh Put the message out there help to put the message out there because like you said you know small small um coalition of 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 people doing this in their own time um you know unpaid it's yeah. there's only so much you can do so like if 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 i was to sort of you know on the last question you know for those that are listening what what key things do you want to get out of today's podcast and and you know like apart from you know we'll, we'll We'll uh, advertise the No Third Tuller Runway Group um, on Facebook, and we'll, we'll mention it many times. But what what do you want to sort of share, Shannon? And and how can people get involved and, and help out? Yeah, um, look, I suppose one of the key things would probably be to write to Catherine King and to Tanya Plibersek. Um, if any of the things that were spoken about today are concerning to you, speak about them. Write to them and let them know that these are issues that you care about. Um, I'd highly encourage people to raise questions at their local council meetings, so at public question time. And I don't mean that necessarily at, say, Broombank City Council, but in any of the other municipalities that were spoken about today. So just to go over those again so people know, uh, we're talking about, you know, Darabin, Hobsons Bay, Hume, Macedon Ranges, Maribyrnong, Melton, Mooney Valley, Marybeck, Whittlesea and Wyndham. So these are sort of the municipalities where people need to start raising the questions in uh, council question time so that it does get on the radar. Um, we also have a couple of petitions on our website that people can sign. Uh, of course, the Facebook group, which you've mentioned, it'd be great if people could join that because there's a lot of open discussion happening there. Um, you know, yeah. we'll share any information that's coming out or international studies, anything that might actually be useful or help people understand what's happening, as well as any updates on the proposal itself and uh, even just general information, you know, things like we've talked about today, you know, things like the Swift Parrot and how they'll be impacted and those sort of things. Um, if you've yeah. got an organisation, if you work for a volunteer for an organisation, endorse us as a campaign. Um, you know, let us put it out there that we're also supported by you and maybe help, 
you know, through communicating with your supporters at whatever organisation you have and letting them know about these issues that are coming up uh, through the proposal. Um, look, there's lots of other ideas and actions on our website. Um, the best way to access most of the things I've spoken about is probably through our link tree, which is just uh, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash no number three R-D Tuller Runway. Um, that has links to the petitions and the Facebook group and pretty much everything we've spoken about. But I think the yeah. most important thing that people can do if they take one thing away with them today from listening to us speak today is talk to people, spread the word, tell people that this is what we can expect to see come from a third runway. Let them know, you know, that they could potentially experience financial impacts, that their health will be impacted, what it's going to do, you know, to the local environment with our flora and fauna. Um, the fact that it's going to massively contribute to climate change and I mean massively contribute it's one of the biggest contributors to climate change and they're not even calculating emissions correctly so it's highly underreported what sort of emissions are going to be put out there from the third runway um you know so these are things that people we find do care about these issues they just don't know about them so as a community member it's your responsibility as well to tell people that this is coming you know, if you've got Absolutely. questions about yeah. it or you're not sure what we stand for, get in touch. You know, people, like I said earlier, if they work for the airport, they get quite defensive. We're not trying to take away their current jobs. We're not trying to shut down the airport. We're just trying to stop the expansion. So these are hypothetical jobs that we don't know are really going to exist. It's it's estimated, yeah? So we're talking about estimated jobs. We're not taking away anyone's current job. There's no intention of that coming. So please, if you've got concerns or you're not sure what we're advocating for, reach out and contact us. Um, but, you know, the best thing you can do is really just speak to people, your friends, your family, your colleagues. Uh, if you're in a community group, speak to them. Just anything you can so that the community actually knows. Correct. Yep, we don't want a third teller runway. Absolutely. Shannon Melek, lead campaigner, you've done well and um, really interesting talking to you today. So thanks so much for your time. No, thank you so much for having me and giving us the opportunity to speak about something that we're really passionate about and something that I, you know, I think the community needs to hear. So thank you so much for the opportunity. If you'd like more information on today's episode, please go to the Facebook group, No Third Teller Runway. They also have a website, Linktree, which is spelt L-I-N-K-T-R dot double E forward slash No Third Teller Runway. If you'd like to get in touch by email, contact at No Third Teller Runway dot net. Well, that's all we have time for this week. Thanks for listening to West Matters. We would love to have your ongoing support, so please make sure you follow or subscribe to the West Matters podcast to ensure you keep up to date on the latest episodes. You can also follow the Western Independent Alliance on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, bye for now.